Moments with Marianne. I'm so delighted we're spending this time here today. We have a very inspiring show coming right up with special guest, Melissa Tipton, and she's here to share with us her new book, Llewellyn's Complete Book of Reiki, Your Comprehensive Guide to a Holistic, Hands-On Healing Technique for Balance and Wellness. Now, Melissa is a structural integrator, Reiki master, and founder of the Jungian Magic, which uses potent psychological insights to radically increase the success of your magic. She's the author of Living Reiki, Heal Yourself and Transform Your Life, and Llewellyn's Complete Book of Reiki. So let's welcome to the show, Melissa Tipton. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. You know, what an honor it is to have you here and to talk about this new book. I'm so excited. You know, I've always wondered, because we've talked about Reiki before, what inspired you to get involved in Reiki? Mm, that's a good question. So years ago, I, I mean, I had no idea um, what Reiki was. I hadn't even heard of it. Um, but my life was a bit of a mess. And I had been exposed to yoga and meditation, that sort of thing. And somehow, um, it was in a meditation, somehow this idea popped into my head that, girl, you have got to get your energy in check. That is at the root of all of this trauma and all of these issues that you've been experiencing. You've got to focus on your energy. So I started Googling and Reiki, thankfully, was one of the things that popped up and it sparked enough of my interest that I was like, all right, I'm just going to see what this thing is all about. And wouldn't you know, there was a teacher in my neighborhood and there was a class starting soon. And it just seemed like too many things lining up um, to be a coincidence. So I decided to go for it. And that's how I started on this whole (laughs) wild Reiki journey that has just changed my life so much for the better. Oh my gosh, what a great story. And you must be so intuitive to pick up on that because a lot of times people would go through and not quite know like, hey, what am I supposed to do here, you know? Hmm. Well, I appreciate that assessment. That's very kind. I think at the moment I was just, honestly, I was desperate. Um, And when that inner voice came through, it just, it was a lifeline. I didn't know if it was accurate or true or any of those things, but I knew that I just, I didn't know what else to do in that moment. So it's like, why not? Why not try this? Um, But I do think that over the years, especially working with Reiki, it really has helped me fine tune my ability to hear that inner voice and to know when it is actually that voice and not, for example, um, fear or my ego uh, talking to me. Mm, I love that. So this new book, I mean, my goodness, there's so much great information in here. Is this intended in design? Yeah, I mean, my goodness. Is it designed for people who are both like beginners and advanced or people who are just advanced? What was your intention when you wrote this book? Yeah, so my intention was that this book could meet someone on their Reiki journey no matter where they're at. Uh, So it's really designed as a reference. Um, not just of the theory, like, for example, the history of Reiki or perhaps the the five precepts, which is one of the core philosophical teachings of Reiki, um, but also as a compendium of all kinds of techniques that you can use 
whether you're a beginner or you've been doing this for many, many years, so that you can really weave Reiki into your day-to-day life. That, for me, um, and I've seen this in the lives of my clients as well, that's how you really experience just the magic of this energy system. So why don't you break down what Reiki is? Because I think a lot of times people get a little confused, like, is Reiki this? Is it a religion? You know, is it magic? Am I practicing voodoo? I mean, what's going on here? (laughs) Good question, yes. So on a basic level, the word Reiki, it translates into usually spiritual energy, sometimes universal energy. Um, I see Reiki as the energy that forms, that connects, that is all things. So again, on a basic level, Reiki is something that is already flowing through us, that we already have access to. Um, Now in the West, especially in modern times, that word Reiki usually is used to denote a specific system of hands-on energy healing that utilizes this spiritual or universal energy. So again, in a very like bare bones um, way of describing it, Reiki is a method of energy healing that uses hands-on techniques. And um, it's really designed to help you, I believe, to connect with your highest self. And you don't need to have any specific religious beliefs. In fact, one of the Um, core tenants in a lot of the Reiki schools is that that is not part of the teachings, that anyone from any um, walk of life can come to these teachings and benefit from them. And you're not going to be forced to believe any particular things in order to use Reiki. So why don't you share with us some of the energy bodies that we would be working with in Reiki? Mm, Yeah. Okay. That's a fun question. So some of the ways that I see the energy um, in the human uh, field is we have, first of all, these um, kind of like eggs or envelopes surrounding our physical body. Uh, There's different layers. They're usually called um, auric layers or the aura. Um, And each one of them is kind of tasked with a different area of our experience. Um, For example, there's the first layer that's really close to the skin. Some people even believe it's synonymous with the skin. Uh, And that's very associated with our physicality. Um, It can contribute to a sense of us feeling uh, grounded and safe. So these auric layers are definitely something that you might be working with when you're doing energy healing. Um, For example, one way that you might work with them would be to scan and see if there are any uh, what we might call like tears or holes uh, in the aura that might need to be healed. Um, If there is a tear or hole, that can lead to us feeling energetically drained, Um, or we might more easily pick up on energy in, you know, from other people or in a space, which can make us feel kind of icky. So those layers, the aura, that's one type of energy body. Um, there's also the concept of, uh, energy channels, probably the one that people are most familiar with from traditional Chinese medicine are the meridians. So that's a way for energy to move throughout our system. And, um, in this area with the meridians, one of the things that most energy practitioners are focused on is can the energy flow? Um, is it moving or are there some blockages? 
And Reiki is a great way, if there are blockages, to kind of flush the pipes out and make sure that everything can flow the way it's meant to. Um, and probably the last type of energy body that most people are familiar with would be uh, the chakras. And I think of these as these kind of energetic concentrations within the body that help us to process energy so that we can actually use it. Um, and by the same token, they can process energy and help us get rid of it if it's something that we no longer need. That is so empowering because you can actually be very proactive in your everyday life by removing stuff that no longer serves you. Absolutely. I love that you bring that up because that is a huge part, um, one, of my own personal practice, but also of this book is just giving people a lot of tools so that they can do just that. Like we don't have to just feel like we're a victim of our circumstances. Um, and we really can do things to connect ourselves with our inner wisdom, our inner strength, all of these gifts that we all have sometimes lying dormant within us, but we all have the power to activate these so that we can really live our best life. So we've covered quite a bit. When you talk about like sensing energy, what does that look like for maybe someone that's new to Reiki? Yeah. So one of the things that I like to do with new students is to remind them that they are sensing energy all the time. Um, So you might walk out of your house and be like, oh, I actually need a jacket today or this sweater is too heavy. That is a form of sensing energy. Um, so all of us have the ability to do this. Um, if we want to get a little bit more on kind of the metaphysical end of things, there's even that the kind of that spidey sense of if someone's looking at you from across the room and you can just kind of feel it. Uh, all of us have that ability to pick up on those things. Um, specific to Reiki, there's definitely more of a concentration on sensing energy through your hands because that's typically how you're going to be giving uh, a Reiki treatment. So one of the practices that I learned as a beginner was uh, rubbing your hands together really, really vigorously for like a good solid minute. And then you slowly start to pull your hands apart just like a couple inches until you get this sense. To me, it kind of feels like this energetic or electrified taffy feeling in between my hands. Um, And that's a good way of starting to sense energy. And then as you continue to practice, you can continue that by hovering your hands over different areas of your body or maybe a partner's body and just kind of sensing are there areas that feel maybe like there's a little bit more heat or they feel a little breezy or windy. Um, There's just lots of things that if we just slow down and concentrate that we can sense, uh, especially through our hands. So when we look at Reiki, and we've been talking about so much in regards to like how to sense the energy and what the different energies for, I mean, how long does the history of Reiki go back? Because this is for quite some time. This isn't a brand new modality, right? Yeah. So the founder of Reiki, Mikao Yusui, he was born in the 1860s in Japan And we don't have, there's a little bit of uh, kind of scanty resources when it comes to uh, the very beginnings of his teachings. A lot of that we're getting from um, kind of secondhand sources of hearing from students who claim that they studied with him. But um, it is 
he did start a school in 1922. It was uh, both a learning center and a treatment center. But it is believed that even as early as probably 1915, that he was already teaching these principles. Um, and a lot of the things that he was teaching, I mean, they're far from new. It was simply that, you know, in the 1920s, this is when uh, Yusui condensed his take on these teachings into a coherent system. But uh, they certainly, a lot of these practices existed far um, earlier than that. I know in your book, you talk about Reiki attunement. What is that and mm. why would we do it? <laughs> yeah, so that actually brings up something interesting uh, about the history as well. So again, Mikao Yusui, uh, in his day, it's believed that what we now call an attunement um, was called Reju. Uh, and whereas nowadays, we typically give attunements maybe um, once per level of instruction. Some schools will give uh, an attunement maybe three or four times in a level, but it's not something that you would do every time you go to class. Uh, whereas in Yusui's day, uh, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that every time the students got together, um, they would start uh, the proceedings with a reju or an attunement. And it was just seen as this really wonderful way of kind of clearing out your energy, um, helping you to connect with your highest self so that whatever you were doing for the rest of that session, you were really in the best place um, to be present and to receive what you needed. Um, but so now attunements are, especially in the West, um, they're typically uh, perceived as something that you have to receive. Um, it's a ritualized thing that the Reiki a teacher will give to the student, but it's something that you have to receive in order to be able to practice Reiki. Um, and there's a lot of controversy around that as to whether or not you do actually need an attunement or if it's just something that we, we all have access to Reiki and you shouldn't need to have an attunement to be able to practice it. So there's far from a clear-cut answer to that question, a lot of differing opinions. Of course, I had to hit you with that, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a million-dollar question in Reiki. <laughs> well, Dina, and there are lots of things I learned about when I was reading this book. My goodness. I mean, because I feel like I had a pretty basic understanding of Reiki, and maybe some people are showing up new, and some people have kind of a basic understanding, and you get other people that are advanced. I was mm -hmm. surprised about the hand positions for healing. And mm. I would love for you to share that with us. And then just in general, what, what do people use Reiki for? Can it be used for anything? Mm. Yeah. So the hand positions, this is another thing where I can provide some tie-ins to the history. So there's some evidence to suggest that Yusui didn't teach um, these specific hand positions that you have to use, certainly not early on in his teachings. Um, and later, if he did, it seems that they may have mostly been concentrated on just different hand positions on the head, with the reason being that whatever you do to the head um, will bring about kind of this mental, emotional piece that will then affect the whole rest of the body. Um, but there is um, what you might call like a, a standard progression of uh, hand positions. Um, and it can be adapted whether you're giving Reiki to yourself or you're performing it on another person. Um, but typically, they proceed with the head um, and they move down to the feet. And then you can work from the front of the body to the back. 
Um, honestly, my preference is to use your intuition as to where you want to place your hands. Um, because we all have, I mean, if you think about it, if you stub your toe, you're probably going to reach down and be like, oh, and hold your toe. Um, in a similar way, we just have this ability, especially again, when we slow down and get quiet to just kind of sense where our hands, maybe we want to place our hands over our belly or over our heart. Um, and that's, that's what feels best to us. Um, and that, even when I'm working with clients, I have found um, that just using my intuition generally leads me to exactly where I need to go, especially if I don't overthink it and I just let Reiki uh, lead the way. What a great way to go because you really start to trust your intuition as well. Yeah. You're really developing that as a skill set. Yeah, and I think that is one of the uh, kind of the whole uh, points of using Reiki to begin with because the way that I see it, Reiki it is meant to help us connect with that inner wisdom. Um, if you will, that's what it wants to do. And so the more that we open up to that, um, which again, it's made easier when we use Reiki, because for me at least, Reiki kind of turns the volume up on my intuition, making it easier to hear. Um, but the more we pay attention to that, the more that just becomes our way of doing things. Uh, and we just have this really vibrant dialogue with that inner wisdom, which is so handy in all moments. It's really something you can grow upon because with Reiki, it seems like there's all these different levels. So as you keep going, you keep growing. Yes, very true. Yeah, there, again, there's, there's differences depending on the school. I mean, there's so many different branches of Reiki now. Um, but yes, there is definitely this progression. Usually there's three levels of Reiki. Um, and some of the things that I found interesting looking at the history of it is that it seems that with Yusui, the further students progressed, it went from something that maybe started as, uh, you know, oh, a hands-on treatment so that I can maybe get rid of a headache or um, heal, you know, a deeper physical illness. And then it progressed to more kind of spiritual mysteries and opening you up to deeper ways of seeing yourself and your relationship to the universe. So we've talked about so much, and we're not going to cover everything in this book. I mean, we'd be here for days if we even tried, (laughs) and that would be the short version. (laughs) But I know you go over what are some traditional Reiki techniques. I'd love for you to just share like one or two with us, you know, in regards to like what would be considered traditional and then a non-traditional technique. Ah, Okay. So probably one of the most basic traditional techniques is to simply bring your hands into what is known as gasho, uh, what probably most of us would refer to as just prayer hands, so palms together at the heart. And there's a traditional meditation where with your hands in this position, you can close your eyes, just start to focus on your breathing, and then maybe even feel the breath coming out of the nose and moving past the fingertips. And you can do this for as many breath cycles as you like. And if you find yourself starting to get distracted, you can gently press the pads of your middle fingers together. The middle fingers were seen as being uh, corresponding with fire. So you're kind of reigniting that fire, that focus, and burning away distractions. Um, And this practice is just so wonderful anytime we find our mind just racing, um, just a really great way to come back to center. 
Um, so a less traditional technique um, would be one that involves using crystals with Reiki, something that's really, really popular these days and something that I love to do as well. Um, so one of the things that you can do is you can choose a crystal. Um, it can be simply something that a crystal that you find to be really pretty. Um, or if you know more about the meanings of crystals, you can find a crystal that is specific to an intention you might want to carry for the day. But you hold that crystal in your hands and you imagine Reiki flowing into the crystal and activating it, focusing on your intention. Maybe it is, I want to have harmonious conversations today. And you really, really focus on that intention as Reiki is filling that crystal. And then you bring that crystal with you throughout the day. And maybe if you're at work, you could put it on your desk. And every time you look at it, it's that reminder of that intention to have harmonious conversations. Or maybe you're going into a meeting and you slip it into your pocket and just feeling that kind of the weight and the heft of the crystal, again, reminds you of that intention of harmonious conversations. You know, I love this book because it has so many exercises that are listed in there. So it's very, you know, while it's educating, there's also practices that you can use right now. And there was so much that was on breath work. And I'd love for you to share why that is. Ah, so one of the reasons why I find breath work to be so important is it's one of those things that is available to us all the time. Um, And when we focus on the breath, invariably, we start to calm down. Again, we just start to find that that center, that inner wisdom that, again, is what Reiki is really trying to help us connect with. Um, we can also think of Reiki as being, again, that spiritual or universal energy. In a lot of traditions, the breath was seen as that, that spiritual energy, that animating force. Um, so there's just a lot of correspondence between Reiki and the breath, which makes these breathwork practices just so powerful um, as part of the Reiki system. So is there a breath practice, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot right now, huh? Is there a breath practice <laughs> that we could do that would take just like a couple of minutes to run through? Yeah, absolutely. So this is similar to the traditional practice I mentioned before. You would start by bringing your hands into gasho or that prayer position at your heart. Close your eyes and begin to focus on your breath. You don't need to force or change the breath. Just notice it. Just watch the breath coming in and out. And then as you deepen this focus on the breath, Imagine that as you inhale, you are drawing Reiki energy through your nose and down into your belly. And as you exhale, that Reiki is streaming outwards from your skin in all directions, just filling the space around you with Reiki. And just repeat that process, breathing Reiki in through the nose, down into the belly, And then exhaling, letting it stream out like the rays of the sun. And you can just continue this process for as many cycles of breath as you like. And it's a really great way of not only filling you with Reiki energy, but then giving the gift of that healing to the space around you. And for me, it just helps me remember how connected I am 
to everything, to every aspect of life, that we are not separate, that we are all connected. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful practice. You can feel that energy move when you do that. Yes, I love it. <laughs> well, thanks for letting me put you on the spot on that one. <laughs> you know, it's always kind of fun to run through these different practices while we're here together. And, and you know, a lot of times, like, I'll do them as we're talking. And you can really mm. feel that energy flow. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to pack as many techniques into the book as possible because, I mean, it's one thing to read about Reiki, to think about Reiki, but when you experience it, when you do even just these really, really simple practices and you feel it, I mean, just as you've described, it's like you can, there's a tangible shift. Um, And I think we could all use more of those in our day-to-day life. I know I certainly can. Isn't that the truth? My goodness, especially now, because I think is, you know, while things are opening up and, you know, people are deciding, do I go outside? Do I not go outside? Mm -hmm. You know, it's still a practice that we can do while we're in our place of solitude. Yes, absolutely. In some ways, it feels like these last couple of months have been this just never ending moving meditation, whether I like it or not. Um, And so having these practices to come back to when that is starting to feel just a little overwhelming has been really, really helpful and grounding. So of all the practices that are in this book, and I know this is probably going to be a tough question to answer, but what is your, like one of the ones that you go to or one of your favorite ones? So, okay, this is a little bit different because this isn't necessarily like a breathwork practice or something like that, but it's one that I don't hear talked about that often in Reiki. Um, And when I first stumbled upon it in a book, I want to say it was the book Light on the Origins of Reiki um, by a man named Tadao Yamaguchi. I just loved it. I just latched onto it and I loved doing it. So um, it's based on this concept called Kamiza, which is the high energy spot in a room. Um, the way Yamaguchi described it is it's usually the corner that's furthest from the room's entrance. That's the high energy spot. And you can put something in that spot, such as maybe an altar or even just a picture of something that you find beautiful or a crystal. And the idea is that the energy will naturally flow from that high energy spot to the rest of the room. And so you can really set the tone of a room or your entire home by taking advantage of that kamiza. And I just love that because it's something that it's easy to do. uh, And in my life, I found it to be really, really effective. So what final thoughts do you want to leave our listeners with? Because I mean, my goodness, I mean, like I said, this book I felt was like really profound and it would be hard for me to even choose like a favorite topic because there's so many, you know? Yeah. So I would say that the idea of interconnection, which we've kind of touched on already, this is woven throughout Reiki teachings, and it has really helped me, particularly in moments when I'm feeling overwhelmed or stuck. So if there's a challenging situation that feels insurmountable because there's just so many factors and complications involved, this idea of interconnection, it means that just by taking one small step to change a single factor, that will affect the situation as a whole. So I don't have to figure out how to solve everything. I just need to choose my next step and trust that this will have a much greater impact than might seem possible at first. And this is just a very comforting 
an empowering thing for me to remind myself of regularly. And I definitely have uh, Reiki teachings to thank for it. So profound. Well, why don't you share where our listeners can connect with you, learn about your books, because I know this isn't your first book. You've got great books that you've written over the years, and also be part of your community. Yes, of course. Yeah, so the best place to find me is on my website, which is realmagic.school. And that's a place where I offer online courses. You can certainly find all of my books, and I write regularly on my blog there as well. Now, do you do private sessions? Do you have that available? You know what? I did. I had a in-person practice, um, and during this whole COVID situation, I actually uh, made the decision to sell that practice. So I may be doing in-person or one-on-one distant sessions again in the future, um, but I'm not at the moment. So we'll see where that goes. More to come, more to come. (laughs) Well, do you know, (laughs) Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with us here today. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Well, thank you, Melissa. It's been such an honor to spend this time with you. And of course, to talk about your new book, Llewellyn's Complete Book of Reiki, your comprehensive guide to a holistic hands-on healing technique for balance and wellness. Llewellyn's Complete Book of Reiki is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all indie retailers. And if you don't see it on the shelf, ask for them to order it. And of course, it's available on Kindle. If you'd like to connect with Melissa, you can at her website, realmagic.school, for more information. Well, we're at the end of our time today. I would like to thank everyone for tuning in. You're listening to Moments with Marianne. And remember, make every moment count. In a single moment, your life can change. Moments with Marianne is a transformative hour that covers an endless array of topics with the best of the best. Her guests are leaders in their fields, ranging from inspirational authors, top industry leaders, and business and spiritual entrepreneurs. Each guest is gifted and a true visionary, a recognized leader in her own work. And while teaching others to develop, refocus, and grow, Marianne will bring the best guest and sometimes a special surprise. Don't miss this. You never know just which moment will change your life forever. Moments with Marianne airs every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Make sure to tune in and visit momentswithmarianne.com for more information.